Welcome to Goodfellow Podcasts. This episode is kindly supported by the Auckland Faculty of the Royal New Zealand College of General Practitioners. I'm Dr. Louise Kugler, and today I'm talking to Professor Leslie McCowan about sleeping on your side in pregnancy. Leslie is a subspecialist in maternal fetal medicine who became the head of department of obstetrics and gynaecology at the University of Auckland in 2009. In 2011, she received a New Year's Honour, Officer of New Zealand Order of Merit for Services to Health. Her clinical work is in high-risk pregnancy, especially preeclampsia and fetal growth restriction. A key interest is the epidemiology of stillbirth, in particular the role of maternal sleep practices. Welcome, Leslie. Thank you. The loss of a baby during pregnancy is an absolute tragedy. How common is stillbirth in New Zealand, Leslie? Stillbirth is a common problem in New Zealand and globally. And firstly, it's probably important just to explain how we define stillbirth in New Zealand. And a stillborn baby is one that um, dies in utero at or after 20 weeks. And currently in New Zealand, that affects approximately 450 babies and families every year in New Zealand. Um, our, our research uh, um, focuses particularly on late stillbirth, which we define as a baby that dies before birth after 28 weeks of pregnancy. And we focus on this particular group of babies because these are babies that if they were live born would expect to have um, healthy outcomes. And, the, and late stillbirth affects approximately 160 normal babies every year in New Zealand. Leslie, what are the known risk factors for stillbirth? particularly modifiable versus non-modifiable? Sure. There are a number of risk factors for um, stillbirth that are at least potentially modifiable. These include smoking. And this this is a good news story because ceasing smoking early in pregnancy prevents late pregnancy complications like stillbirth, growth-restricted babies and preterm births. Another important risk factor is increasing maternal body size, and there's a dose-dependent relationship between the mother's size and her risk of stillbirth. Fetal growth restriction is an important contributor to stillbirth, particularly when it's not recognised before birth. Another um, contributor is maternal substance use. Um, Women who become pregnant and under the age of 20 also have an increased risk and this is potentially modifiable because by reducing unintended pregnancy for example with the use of long-acting reversible contraception we could reduce the number of young mothers. Advanced maternal age is is an increasing problem in um, modern society and women over the age of 40 have an increased risk. Maternal medical conditions such as hypertension and diabetes are also risk factors for stillbirth and there are modifiable components in here as well such as body size and advanced age. Mothers who have had uh, more than four children also have an increase in risk as do women who reside in areas of high deprivation and um, in impoverished conditions. And of course, another um, modifiable risk factor, which our research has recently identified, is the mother's going to sleep position, um, which we're going to talk about more in a minute. 
And then there are a range of factors that we can't modify. So an important one is women in their first pregnancy. And another factor that we're becoming increasingly aware of is the maternal ethnicity. So in New Zealand, mothers of Pacific and Indian ethnic backgrounds both have an increased risk of stillbirth and women of um, Southeast Asian Chinese ethnic origin have a reduced risk. And, and just another point um, to add into this point of discussion is that we classify um, the cause of death when a baby is stillborn. And currently in New Zealand, approximately a third of all stillbirths are classified as unexplained. And this is important because if we can identify novel risk factors, there's the potential to prevent more deaths. There is a triple model for unexplained late stillbirth that hypothesises stillbirth may result from an interrelationship of three factors, a vulnerable baby, an adverse maternal factor, and an additional stressor. Leslie, can you give our listeners some examples of each of these factors, starting with what a vulnerable baby looks like? The triple risk model is really trying to explain the mechanisms that um, contribute to unexplained stillbirth. And this um, concept originated from SIDS research. And the, and the concept is that risk factors for stillbirth may be additive or interact together, i.e. that a death occurs when there's a, a culmination or an interplay between maternal risk factors, a fetal placental vulnerability and a fetal um, stressor. So a vulnerable baby um, might be a baby that's um, smoke exposed, a baby that's growing poorly in utero, or a baby that has um, placental dysfunction. And of course, some of these factors, um, such as placental dysfunction, are very difficult to identify before birth. The types of maternal factors that are um, hypothesized are advanced maternal age, increasing maternal body size, and maternal medical problems like diabetes and hypertension. And an example of an additional stressor would be a factor like maternal supine body position that reduces placental flow. And that could be the tipping point for um, a pregnancy where there are other vulnerabilities. Leslie, you've been involved in two New Zealand-based multi-centre studies looking at sleeping position as a modifiable risk factor. If a woman is to sleep on her side from 28 weeks, how much does she decrease her risk of a stillbirth? If a woman goes to sleep on her side, she can halve her risk of stillbirth compared to a mother who goes to sleep. Um, lying on her back. You're, you're right that we've carried out two New Zealand studies, but more recently we've combined all the international literature from case control studies that have investigated a maternal um, going to sleep position and the risk of stillbirth. So we now have data from an individual participant data meta-analysis, and that shows that there's a 2.6-fold increase in likelihood of late stillbirth in women who go to sleep lying on their back. And that effect is independent of other risk factors for, for stillbirth. So the risk goes from about you know, 1.5 per thousand for a mother who goes to sleep lying on her side to you know, just over 3 per thousand for a mother who goes to sleep lying on her back. 
So Leslie, what is the pathophysiology at play here? We've known for a long time that when a mother lies on her back that it can reduce the blood supply in the inferior vena cava. So supine position in late pregnancy is associated with hemodynamic effects and these can compromise fetal well-being. So recent research from our team at Auckland University has used MRI studies to help to better understand this relationship. And what we've demonstrated is that when healthy women in the late third trimester lie supine, the vena cava is compressed with more than 80% reduction in blood flow. This is associated with a 16% reduction in cardiac output and a 30% reduction in blood flow at the aortic bifurcation. So the consequence of this is reduced um, uterine blood flow and reduced fetal oxygenation. So then the fetus becomes compromised when the mother sleeps on her back. What's happening to the fetus? What happens to the fetus when a mother is lying on her back in late pregnancy is that the baby adopts a quiet um, behavioural state. And we can see evidence of this clinically by a, a fetal heart trace that is non-reactive. And the fetus is more likely to stay in a, non, in a quiet behavioural state and very rarely enters a very active behavioural state, which requires high energy expenditure. So this suggests that the fetus responds to the reduced blood supply by reducing oxygen consumption. And so we speculate that while the otherwise healthy fetus can compensate for periods of reduced placental perfusion, the vulnerable fetus may not be able to achieve this, and a tipping point can be reached where the fetus decompensates. So sleeping on the side is important. Does it make a difference if she sleeps on her left or her right side? No, it doesn't. And this is good news because it means that women have a choice of settling to sleep on their left or their right side. So our individual participant data meta-analysis demonstrates that there is no increase in risk with right side going to sleep position. So right and left are equally good. So a woman wakes, she's on her back. What does she do now? And has she put her baby at significant risk? So the first point to make is that maternal position changes frequently overnight and it's not uncommon for women to wake up on their back. And so what we recommend is just settling back to sleep on, on their side. The only thing that we can really modify currently is the position that the woman goes to sleep in. And this is important because it is the... Um, position that the woman spends the most time in overnight, whereas positions adopted later in the night tend to be for shorter periods of time. So we recommend that women don't worry if they wake up on their back, just settle back to sleep on their side. So Leslie, should all sleeps be on the side, including daytime naps? Yes, yes it is. Um, and that's a really important, important point because sometimes women sleep during the day in suboptimal positions, so for example, lying on a couch, etc. So the recommendation is, is settle to sleep on your side for every sleep, including daytime naps. And finally, Leslie, in primary care, sadly, we don't look after pregnant women in the later stages of pregnancy anymore. 
So how can we help get this message of side sleeping out to these women? Well, we, we recommend that GPs and practice nurses share this information opportunistically with pregnant women in the third trimester. And um, so GPs currently see women for um, flu vaccination and for whooping cough vaccination. And we think this is a, a really great opportunity to share the sleep on side message with pregnant women in the third trimester. And also if they come in for an incidental consultation or come in with other children or etc., it's also an opportunity to briefly me mention this and to share one of our leaflets about sleep on side. And to conclude our podcast today, Leslie, what would your take-home messages be for our listeners, please? That we have identified a modifiable risk factor for late pregnancy stillbirth, that we should recommend to pregnant women that they settle to sleep lying on their side, as this has the potential to reduce the tragedy of late stillbirth. Not to worry if they do wake up on their back, because that will happen. And really just to share this message widely with pregnant women, with whānau and with healthcare providers because it's unusual for us to be able to identify a risk factor that is readily modifiable. And just another point, we know that pregnant women have changed their going to sleep position. So since the publication of our first paper and the second publication that we had, women have increased um, going to sleep on their side quite significantly between the two publications. So we know that women can take this message on board. Thank you, Leslie. It's been a pleasure talking to you today. If you're a New Zealand GP and would like to claim CPD points for listening to this podcast, Fill in the Reflection of Learning form found at goodfellowunit.org. You will also find a list of resources used in this podcast. On our website, you can also access for free webinars, med cases, GEMS and e-learning modules. Thank you for listening.